Welcome to West of North London, where Arsenal are giving out more braces than an orthodontist. <laughs> and I say that because Gabby got robbed. Uh, yeah. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. You know, at the end of the day, it all counts. But yes, I agree with you. That was that was Gabby's goal. And it ruined my great joke. <laughs> I blame uh, is that a Pogmole call or dubious goals commission or something like that uh, I'm upset they should appeal to whoever needs to be appealed to yeah you know Arsenal writing letters is a uh, you know something that uh, an appeals has been you know in the news we've been doing it for other yeah. reasons might as well do it for a goal go get the lawyers out again that's why they're on retainer <laughs> yeah that's why they get the big bucks um, anyway, so this, despite my anger over that, I think I'm, in, I, I was just saying I'm in good spirits watching the highlights again for this game. You know, it's so much easier to come into this podcast. I was saying off air that I actually did some research and, you know, dove deep into Arsenal this week, which it's just so much easier when it's a win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about drinks. What do you have in your hand this week? Um, well, I went a little bit different this week. I actually went with a whiskey. A buddy Ooh. of mine uh, gave me a, uh, what is it? A, a Bushmills Redbush Irish whiskey, a bottle of it. Uh, shout out to Jason Rojo. He is a Man U fan, but we'll forgive him because mm. he's a good person anyways. <laughs> but uh, yeah. That is fantastic. That is, yeah, perfect. It's not super caramely, but it has a lot of flavor going on. I mean, Irish whiskey is about my favorite type of whiskey. I tend to like it better than scotch. Yeah, and I, I'm not a big peat person. Yeah, I mean, I can I can handle it. Like, I do like a good scotch, but there's something nice about a nice, clean, perfect Irish whiskey. And this is really, really good. Far too nice of a bottle to give to me. But yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. I almost did a whiskey drink myself, but I oh, we could have been matching. Could have. We were so close. I did say though a couple weeks ago I had this I had this beer ready to go, but I couldn't pull it out for the crappy run we were on. <laughs> I needed to wait for better days, and I did. I I'm glad I waited. I I I got gifted one of the. Uh, OG coveted West Coast IPAs. Ooh. It's uh, a Pliny the Elder. Nice. I still think this is one of the better straight up IPAs. It, you know, I don't, it's, no. they have wider distribution now, so it's not quite as coveted, but still a little hard to find. Yeah, it's still amazing. I mean, it literally is the, the gold standard of what a West Coast IPA is. It is the, the definition. It's just really good. Yeah. Anyway, I, ha I hadn't had one in a while. My brother-in-law gave me a couple beers for Christmas, so this is a, yeah. a nice surprise. That is a nice one. Um, yeah, so beers out of the way, or beer and whiskey. What a great combo. <laughs> is, it, yeah. is that a Boilermaker? I don't know what a Boilermaker is, but it's it's like a <laughs> liquor. Isn't it a liquor and a beer? Yeah, I believe it is a drop shot of a uh, whiskey and a beer, but I'm not one for... For 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 those types of things, yeah. it's not my not my cup of tea. I'll, I'll stick with the sidecar. I mean, I can yeah. you can still have fun without mixing it all together. Oh, I mean, like a whiskey and a beer is classic. I I mean, a Rainier and a Jamo is mm. you know my uh, 
my hometown. That's where I live. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, putting it, I think it's just more theatrics to put the shot in. Like, yeah. you don't really need to do that. You can, I mean, if you really wanted them at exactly the same time, you could like yeah. take them at once or pour one into the other. It's, yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, no judges. I mean, if you have a good reason why, why one should do that, please write in and let us know how wrong <laughs> we are. Yeah, I'm sure some, some pocket of the United States, like, that is the thing. Um, yeah. not, I don't, I don't see too many people doing Boilermakers, but, uh, I don't, yeah, that, that was not on my radar as a, as a young drinker. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I've, I've had in the not too distant past, uh, before Sounders game, some people do something called a Sounders pounder, oh. which is a shot of blue Caracao question mark, Ooh. very amazingly blue liqueur in a Red Bull. Okay. Okay, so it's a, it's a blue drink. Yeah, but you drop it's a drop shot, so you have a drop shot into the uh into the Red Bull. Okay. And yeah, it's as exciting as you would think. So it's a it's a it ends up you start you go from blue to green. Is that what Yeah, okay. that's the that's the that's the gimmick of it. Okay. I see it. I I can appreciate that. <laughs> Oh, what would, I mean, how would you do that for Arsenal going from white to red? What do you a white Russian and drop uh, uh, Amaretto is kind of reddish? Is there mm. some sort of red? Is, is <laughs> Fireball red? It no, it's it kind of looks like just like whiskey, but it's kind of yeah. syrupy. Uh, gosh, I can't think of a red liqueur. I'm sure they're out there. So some like watermelony. It's berry thing. Uh, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think you could just do like something into grenadine or with grenadine, mm. get that red color there. Yeah. So like vodka and grenadine and then the white, it would have to be. You'd have to la- somehow layer it. Yeah. Keep them separate. I don't know. How I guess you could like have a, a beaten egg white. So you go like grenadine and vodka and then like a, a layer of egg white mm. i don't know if that sounds good but i'm color wise we're there <laughs> and there we go we've got the awesome arsenal drink <laughs> which also also needs a name that'll be for a future timbit i'm trying to think of what the drink was called but it was it had like a float of like um baileys or something so it was kind of thick and it would just kind of sit as like a ball in the middle of the drink. I think it was like called like an alien brain or something stupid, <laughs> but it, you could, if you could float like a light, lighter colored thing inside red, I think you yeah. could pull it off. But Bailey's is kind of brown, I guess. I mean, you could, uh, a blue and yellow seems doable mm. for the away kit. Yes. But that just seems to be getting far off topic. <laughs> we we could wa- wander down the, the many blue liquors there are out there. Yeah. I was thinking of a tarantula tequila. Awful. Uh, Awful. Um, <laughs> there's that other blue one. I can't think of what it's called. It was a gimmicky one. Anyway, there's, there's Sapphire some, gin. Isn't uh, that blue? Or is it just the bottle? I that's think blue? just the bottle's blue on that one. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of this other blue liqueur liquor. It, it was horrible, but 
I remember people would make something that turned green. It was another green drink. Yeah. The Incredible Hulk. Uh, I don't know. I don't know yeah. much about mixed drinks. No. If any, if any came my way that were like that, somebody else made them. I didn't pay attention to what was the ingredients. Exactly. Anyway, I, I talk <laughs> about that in past tense because I'm not touching anything that's turning blue or green at this point. No, as I say, whiskey and beer. Yeah, I'll, give me I'll, brown I'll... things. <laughs> Occasional wine. Yeah, wine as well. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't need the uh, the mixed drinks and the the gimmicks anymore. No, I did drink quite a few whiskey and cokes when I was in uh, Vegas last. But it's just easy to order from the 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 drink girls, the cocktail waitresses. Yeah. And you, and like, you don't want to like get straight whiskey cause you're probably just getting well whiskey and it's going to be rock gut. It's yeah. not going to be anything good. And, and yeah, whiskey and Coke. You're kind of trying to get, work in some caffeine so you can keep going a little bit. I, but I don't, not so much that like Red Bull level. I'm not, I don't need that. I just need to stay steady. <laughs> I always, it's a classic for a reason. Exactly. Um, okay. We've talked a lot about drinks. Let's get to the Timbit. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of had a Timbit start, but we'll we'll go on. I have mm. one prepared, okay. which is uh, we the, the, the Sounders, Jesus, uh, Arsenal. <laughs> what, what team are we talking about today? Yeah. Arsenal has been at the uh, warm weather uh, camp out in uh, Dubai, and I kept on thinking of it as summer camp, even though it's uh-huh. not summer, but I kept on calling it summer camp. So I was just wondering, wait. In your imagination, what kind of act, summer campy activities would Arsenal be doing at a summer camp? Like, you know, canoeing, underwater basket weaving. What what what, what is Arsenal summer camp look like to you? Yeah, I I just know from Sokka's history with the unicorn floaty thing that he he's going to be by the pool. He's going to be oh, yeah. he's going to be living in the water. That's going to be his territory for sure. Um, the blob, whatever that that thing is where it launches you into the air. Oh yeah. yeah. He's going to be on uh, getting pulled behind boats, water skiing, oh, totally. maybe some inner tubing. Um, yeah. Sokka's all around water sports guy. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, Jorginho is a secret fly fisherman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be, he's going to be spending his time near the water fishing or maybe, maybe a hunter. But you know we're getting outside of what you do at camp. But you know bow and arrows, I could see that being a yeah, yeah. archery golf. Yeah. Uh, who else? Are we, who else is going to be fun at summer camp here? Is there anybody that's crafty? I feel like I was just going to say arts and crafts. Arts and crafts. Those guy. lanyards. Yeah. Uh, I think Ben White secret, secretly crafty. Yeah, I think I think he's he's going to be the guy that's going to put a lot of time into his his crafts. And then, you know, wonder why no one else is as into it as he is. Yeah. I mean, it'll be him and Odegaard. I think they'll be oh. both like sitting there doing like wood carving yeah. or, or something. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could see some like some nice, yeah, some nice bracelets getting made. Oh yeah. You get some he- hemp bracelet. necklaces going on. <laughs> um, yeah. I think. Who's sneaking out to the, uh, the girls camp across the way? Uh, surprisingly, you know, Martinelli comes across as a quiet guy, but I think that's him. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, uh, 
I think uh, I think that that covers it. I was trying to think of what where Jesus would go. I was doing that too. I was like trying to maybe drama. I don't know. <laughs> yes, it's just he has such an expressionist or expressionful face. Yeah, that, like, I could see him doing the uh, the skits, the campfire mm-hmm. skits. Yeah, ghost stories. Oh yeah. Oh, I bet you you Portuguese tell a great ghost story. Yeah. All right. Um, is is there is there anyone you think would be like uh, a good camp counselor? I was just gonna say because I mean the obvious is Arteta, right? He's the camp <laughs> counselor for the actual team. Yeah, but he's like he's more the camp director. Uh huh. The counselors are often like the same age or maybe a little older. Oh, that's good. You're thinking Jorginho or actually El Nenny. Let's go with El Nenny as a camp. Director. I was gonna I was gonna put or, Rice in there. You know, oh, yeah, just ca- the the authoritative type. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm putting putting him as a counselor. Uh, yeah, I'm try- now I'm now I'm th- trying to think of all the players. This is this could take all night. Yeah, well, I mean, like Smith Rowe and uh, Reese Nelson could be counselors because they're the ones that like you know have been there forever and they've kind of graduated <laughs> from like doing the activities uh-huh. and now they're just in charge of the uh, the the other the other campers. Yeah, they've outlasted everybody. So yeah. Get moved up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that's pretty good. I like the summer camp. I'd go. Yeah, personal right. summer yeah, camp. I'd probably pay a decent amount of money to go summer camping with the team. Yeah, and there's a marketing opportunity for them. <laughs> that's gonna right, that's so- gonna be the theme of the next Adidas launches summer camp. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think the players were on to spend their off time hanging out with random fans in some uh, woods somewhere. Yeah, I, I think that's probably too far. And that might be nightmare fuel for them. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't want to put them through that. I'd feel super awkward <laughs> 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 knowing that they didn't want to be there and you're kind of just forcing them to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. They're trying to make money any way they can uh, these yeah. days. Well, they'll just keep touring America. I mean, why... Why do anything else? You just keep coming back to where the money's at. Yeah. Except they don't come up our way. So we'll not, no, maybe we'll get a, a West Coast visit, but I have to go to them. Too hard. Yeah, I know. Like the Colorado game was uh, tempting, but I just, I couldn't make the everything work. I, I, I can't imagine they come back to the U.S. and don't go back to the SoFi Stadium again since that's uh, uh, Uncle Stan's. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, as nice as that sounds, everything's so expensive. Just popping down to California for a weekend to see Arsenal might be a little tough, but I, you know, I can dream. Yeah. I mean, for me, if, if they make it to California again, I, uh, I do have family there, so I can do the combined uh, family trip. And then, by the way, I'm also going to Arsenal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I could do that. Go visit my brother, make a double... Make it worthwhile, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it helps that my brother is also an Arsenal fan. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. Um. Well, now that I'm distracted by that, let's get to the topic at hand here. <laughs> uh, we are riding high. You know, things looked low recently, but we, this was the type of game that we needed coming back from the break. What What were you thinking going into this game, and how did you feel? coming out 
I mean, going into the game, yeah, it's been a, a series of uh, low games coming in. But, you know, I did feel refreshed from that that two-week break. And I can only imagine the players even more so than I <laughs> felt yeah. refreshed. And I was feeling good. I mean, Palace is Palace. This is the only time I'm going to put this caveat on because it's, it's people talk about it all the time, which is that Palace isn't that great of a team and they're going through a crisis, yada, yada, yada. But, uh, you know... Any game in the Premier League can be difficult, as we found out over the last few weeks. That uh, you know, you can't overlook any game. But I was, I was, you know, mildly optimistic going into this game because I did, I do, I did, and I still do feel a lot of the downturn was just fatigue and tiredness, and we saw what happened when we got a good uh, break going into the game. Yeah, I think it was. It looked like a different maybe a team that more the team that we expect to see like it it didn't look like the team that we left off with yeah i mean uh what would you think about that starting lineup uh you know not having martinelli in the lineup i think was uh maybe overdue i don't know mm-hmm. but i it, it didn't shock me um i thought he would had had to have had a, a really good um training camp to to maintain his position um but it's it's good that we have a player like Trissard that can come in and and it's not a big drop off you know Trissard adds something different and I think that him being in that position is much much more preferable than than the eight role that he was playing um recently it just never felt quite right to have him on that inside channel. I think he does much better um, when he has the option to go out wide or, or play play or cut inside. So I think he's, he's a little bit more dynamic when he has that wide space to work with. And um, yeah, I just, I think he's, he's a, he's had a little bit of a rough, rough run of form himself. So I think him getting into the, the lineup was good. Um, we also had uh um, pretty much a solid lineup. Otherwise, I, I think it's just the the Martinelli switch that that jumped out. Yeah, that was it. I think that was the the only switch, right? Yeah, and uh, Zenchenko coming back as oh, well. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I think his his inclusion is a good sign. I'm glad that he was able to recover over the break, and uh, I think we're 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 getting some guys back. It's starting to sound like. Um, some of these long-term injuries are, are are getting a little bit closer to returning like party. And even I've heard rumors of um, timber coming back sooner than later, sooner than expected even. So I think it is, it is um, a good sign that the team's getting healthy and we ha- we're starting to get some, some options again. Um, it's nice to be able to have a, a Trissard available to, um, swap in and not feel like you have to do that. You know, it's not because of injury. It's like a tactical change or a, uh, an opportunity to rest a player. Uh, when we have those, those sorts of scenarios where we can change things up and, and not really feel like we're forced into the change, I, I feel like we're in a better position. So I'm glad that uh, some of these guys are getting healthy and hopefully we can keep that going for a while. Yeah, and I, I really do like starting Trissard in that position as well. I think... Uh, overdue might be too harsh of a, a way of putting it, but I, I was really excited to see him just kind of in that specific position with that team and see how he did. And I, you know, the results kind of speak for itself. He, uh, I think he did pretty well uh, 
starting in that Martinelli role. Yeah, and I, I think this was a great um a great game to kick the rust off and, and get back into the flow of things. Uh you know, I, I think Crystal Palace is a team that frequently has interesting players and can never never quite put it all together at the right time, whether it's the coaching or the, the individual players. Um, something that always seems to be a little bit off and, uh, they, they are capable of playing much better than this game. I think we, we got pretty, pretty lucky that they, they really didn't show up, but, um, yeah, I think once we got the, the first goal, it was really, we were in the driver's seat the rest of the game. Yeah, and it's and you know getting to that first uh, goal, it was it was interesting that it came off of the set piece uh, because it's something that Arsenal has really been focusing on for the last couple of years. They brought in that new set pieces coach, and this year and last year, we've are among the top, if not the top, on scoring from set pieces in the league. And so it's it's nice to see that 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 aspect of our game is still still continuing and we've improved upon it and it seems like it's it's something that you know arsenal is very dangerous from set pieces yeah it's it's good to see them kind of getting back to that i think the the key to to the arsenal formula really is getting getting goals early um and we haven't really been doing that like we were last season where we were putting pressure on um, pretty early in games and trying to get that early, early goal to shift the momentum in our favor. Uh, this one coming at about 10 minutes into the game is great. I love, I love being able to, um, con- kind of control the game that way because you're forcing, forcing teams out of their shell. You can't, um, at that point, the team uh, palace has to come out and, and play. And, and I think that mm. that suits us. So uh, I'm glad to see that the, the the set pieces were back. We're looking um, much cleaner on that. It looked like they added some stuff to get uh, a, a clean run for for um, Gabrielle in this one. And uh, it, it's the little things, you know. It, it, delivery is important. You know, we saw Rice taking this one, which we haven't really seen much of. Um, I think that's maybe due to Martinelli's uh, absence, but. Rice put in a good delivery on this and the the run up from um from Gabrielle's powerful. Like he gets <laughs> up on this one and puts it right where it needs to be. So it was it was well drawn up, it was well executed. And uh I I think this is the bread and butter that keeps this this team going. So I think if they can find new ways to trick teams to to uh find the weaknesses, I think this the set piece uh game is is really important and and if we can get at least a goal every other game from set pieces we're in really good shape i think that's uh going to be key when we can't break teams down you have to take advantage of the the opportunities to score and set pieces have been really successful successful for us um so i think you kind of want to get to a point where teams are reluctant to give away the ball Mm -hmm. you know because you, you you're punishing them, so I think it, it's it's going to make teams second guess kicking the ball out 
you know, like you're, you're, you're giving away a golden opportunity to Arsenal. And I think that that's the kind of fear you want to put in a team into other teams. Yeah. And it's a, it's corners and it's also set pieces on, on fouls, which, you know, obviously mm-hmm. didn't happen this, this game, but, uh, you know, if you can make teams think about kicking the crap out of <laughs> Saka or Martinelli as they've been doing all season, it, it, you know, hopefully it would mean that they will pull back a little bit on those, those types of fouls. What do you think about, um, you over do like stepping up as the coach during set pieces is, is I find that really interesting that like Arteta visibly takes a step back and lets the set piece coach step into the box and kind of command yeah. things. I mean, it's, it's something that I'm not super accustomed to seeing, uh-huh. but I mean, they hired him for a reason and it's, you know, in a certain way, it means it's obvious that Arteta and the management of Arsenal feels that he knows more or is at least better suited to, to, to coaching these things. And then, you know, one of, one of the most important aspects of management in general, let alone management on a soccer field is, uh, identifying people's strengths and, and, and delegating to those strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's a great sign personally. And it's a, it's a sign of a, a coach who doesn't have too much ego that they're willing to let a, a coach do that. And obviously something's working, as I said, you know, over the last, this year and the previous, it's been a, a, a market improvement in Arsenal set pieces. So, you know, you can't really argue with the results. Yeah. In retrospect, I don't know how every team doesn't have, uh, just a, a swath of specialist coaches. I mean, you look at the sidelines on an NFL team and it's like 50 different coaches for different specialties. Um, so I I, I like the idea of it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's where the way soccer is going is that you're going to have special, all these different types of specialty coaches and and things like that. But I mean, it's, it has to do with budget. It, you know, at a certain point when you're looking at the financial fair play, it includes coaching and, Mm. and backroom staff as well. So, there, there is only a certain amount. And, you know, if you have five coaches, that's probably, you know, probably a, as much as you're giving wages to a player. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot we don't see that aren't sitting on the sidelines, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of um, staff that are specialized in different areas and would be considered coaches outside of the game day, necess- yeah. you know, not sitting next to Arteta necessarily. Um. Yeah, I just I, I do like the idea that we're we're seeing some return on this, and we look dangerous pretty much every set piece as long as we're getting good deliveries. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's where we've been a little hit and miss lately. So it was good to see Rice get uh, a nice delivery in this one. And uh, I I think if you can get the ball in the area, we have a lot of weapons. You know, mm-hmm. between between our backs and um, you know Jesus is one of those guys that is surprisingly spry in the air. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fine to see the short corner once in a while, but I feel like we get into this pattern a little bit where that one fizzles. I, I know you're trying to kind of just work the angles, but, um, I felt like for a bit there, we were kind of hitting the wall as far as the returns on what we were trying on, on some of these set pieces and corners. Um, but, when you get when you get a couple goals, it, uh, it it kind of like reinvigorates. I think the the strategy and, and guys play a little bit sharper when things are working. You know, mm-hmm. and you know you talk about aerial, aerial 
prowess. You have, you know, two of the best heading center backs in the league. I think, you know, you have Saliba and Gabriel that are both, you know, proven great at, at getting to the ball and getting it off of corners. And you mentioned Jesus. I also want to throw in Havertz in there is surprisingly good mm. in the air. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, if the ball does hit the ground, you have several players that are really able to, to put it on target in constricted spaces. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that we need to continue to punish teams. So I'm, I'm hopeful that this becomes a streak. You know, if you can, if you can string together two, three games where you're scoring off of set pieces, I think it definitely makes teams think twice about how they strategize against you. Uh, so first goal out of the way early looks like we're co- you know coasting the way that they were controlling the game after that um i think the uh the strategy from crystal palace uh mm-hmm. I, I don't i'm not necessarily sure what the strategy was I think per strategy se. might be a strong word for that yeah uh, they did get a couple shots in that tested Raya, and I think he, Raya had actually a pretty decent showing. I think it, it was mm-hmm. just one of the first times I've, or one of the few times I should say that I've seen him have to make a fully stretched um, stop, and he, he did he did a good job. I, I think he, when he, when he gets the opportunities, he looks he looks pretty good. Um, but we just haven't had. To rely on him as much as we did Ramsdale last year. I think the mm-hmm. the control and the defense have been so much better. It's been rare that we have we've seen Raya get put into any um tough positions. Yeah, and and I think you know this this goalkeeper thing is like always rambling rumbling along and you're always kind of gonna have the in the back of your mind would would Ramsdale have done better in this situation. But the more of this season goes on, and this game's a great example of it, I feel like it, there there just isn't much between the two, and they're both good goalkeepers. And I think Raya is a good goalkeeper. I think that's that that can't be questioned. And you know, I feel he is good for a good you know stretch out save once a game. There's you know, I can think of a couple going back that where he's kind of pounced out. I mean, the one that sticks out for me from this game was one of his own making in a way, but. But it was still a wonderful say where he he knocked it out. I should have written down the minute, but it was uh, I believe in between the second and third goal, where uh, he kind of uh, kicked it out and kicked it directly to a Palace player oh, who just yeah, th- shot it right back in. That was I think between the first and second goal. Okay, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, the giveaway is is pretty bad, but get getting the the stop, you pretty much have to do it. You got to recover that. Yeah, and you know, there is the uh, his uh, assist with the third goal, which I don't want to skip over the second goal necessarily. But yeah, the, we could we could talk about that for a second, just because. Um, yeah, well, let we'll get to it in a second. I think it is good to talk about the second goal as a, um, if, before we forget about it, yeah. um, <laughs> because this was the uh, the potential Gabriel brace, and I I still um. I don't know. I feel like you see this kind of thing called for the goal score as much as you see it not. Uh, this this one stings a little bit just because we don't have too many um, prolific defensive goal scorers mm. in the Premier League to talk about. But Gabriel's been 
he has been that for us, you know, almost, I think he's around a dozen goals in his Arsenal career. And I, I personally love to see a scoring defender. We've had, um, we've had some of those in, in the past. Um, and, and it's, I think for, for us, it's important to have play multiple areas where people can score from and to have a defender that's contributing at that level is, um, it's really important because as we've talked about, we don't necessarily have a, a single prolific goal scorer. We have a, a, a bunch of contributors and, um, Gabriel is one of those that's been very consistent with his head. And I think it, it is, uh, as a weapon to use with the, the technical quality that we have in our, our, um, crossers and, and, uh, corner takers that that's a, a weapon we can continue to tap into. I think he's, he's been, um, really good. So it, it's, it's unfortunate that this one didn't go in his favor. I, I think that was, that was a crime to take that away from him because the goalkeeper <laughs> had n- had no idea what was going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it, it, for me, and this is also coming from a, a, a defender, a person who plays defense when he plays, I think, uh, it should really be a significant, uh, deflection that changes really changes it and goes in to really call it an own goal yeah i think it's it's a it's a little harsh when the ball is kind of thrown in right on and then it bounces you just off the line and was probably going to go in anyways and you get you know the you get called the uh the own goal you know yeah um yeah i feel like there needs to be some sort of deliberate action yeah towards the goal rather than a just chance deflection basically yeah i mean and speaking of controversy what did you think about uh, uh ben white's uh contribution to the goal did, did, did you think that was controversial at all no i i thought the goalkeeper was crazy to make it any sort of uh complaint about that when that is pretty much how a lot of uh a lot of set pieces go down you just have a guy mm-hmm. kind of just standing near you it's yeah, your job yeah. to get out of there, get around them, get out of the way. Like the goalkeeper isn't, isn't, uh, it, 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 he's acting like he shouldn't have to do any work on all he does is jump straight up. And then white stands there. Like, yeah, you need to get around your guy. That's, that's part of your job. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in my opinion, the, a player has a right to hold the space that they're in. If they're standing there, they have a right to, stand there you know it's it's not like he he pushed the keeper or even jumped he just was he took a couple steps back into him but i don't know that that's controversial i mean may it's not even like he is aggressive in those movements he he just kind of obstructs which i think is is fair he's not even grabbing him so i mean we've seen We've seen Ben White get into positions where he's doing something egregious. I didn't think this was anywhere near that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a you know, seeing how some of the, some of those calls have gone against us this year. I was uh, I definitely had my breath held as soon as I saw that replay where he was kind of jostling with a keeper. Yeah, I it, it to me what I've what I see in these first two uh, set piece goals is Arsenal are not going to make it easy to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's going to be getting a body in the way of the defender and, and creating the space for the, the attacker to, to jump into, um, in, in both cases, really, it's just a, 
a matter of simple obstruction. It's not even like holding or doing anything that you could be called. This is just standing in the right place and making sure the um, defenders behind you. And and that's not that's not controversial, but it's really creating this kind of two on one situation where instead of a one on one where a defend uh, you know or even two on one the other direction because you usually see um, Gabriel kind of jumping into a crowd to try to get a, a clean hit. And, but if you've got one of the Arsenal players kind of taking care of one of those defenders, you, you've got a little bit better odds. So I think they they worked that out in this in this game, and I, I don't want to. Um, you know, say that Crystal Palace didn't show up completely, but I, I don't want to overpraise uh, <laughs> our, our our accomplishments because you know they just didn't have a great game. So um, while we looked pretty dominant on these set pieces, we still have to be, play a much tougher teams uh, mm-hmm. with these strategies. So I, I, I'm curious to see how um, if these tweaks play out in, in weeks to come. Yeah, and, and and getting back to your 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 comment about goals from defense, it is really nice to feel like our defense is contributing, our midfield is contributing to the goals, and that you know really the only piece missing is that that that, that uh, striker position, you know, scoring goals. And if we can figure that out, the sky's the limit. And if it feels nice to to see two two phases of the game really sorted out and it's just trying to find that that final final phase yeah yeah this is you know if if this is what we can expect for weeks to come i mean i'm not i'm not looking to uh beat all these teams five five nil or anything like that but this looked like a more reinvigorated team so mm-hmm. i'm i'm hopeful we can continue that momentum whether it's from set pieces or not. We saw a, quite a variation of goals in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the third goal. I I love Trissard when he's scoring. <laughs> he can mm-hmm. be kind of frustrating sometimes when he's not. He's had some frustrating games recently. So to me, this was a great redemption game for him to, to kind of get, get right a little bit. And, and uh, this is a, a a fantastic goal. We, we alluded to Raya's contribution, but the speed of this was outstanding. I think it was one of the cleanest goals we've had in a while. W- what was your th- thought on this one? <laughs> I mean, it, it was great. And we really saw, I mean, the commentators at, at, during the game mentioned it and we really saw that distribution piece from Raya that uh, everyone's been, uh, you know, touting for him and, you, the goal really started from Reyes throw quick and smart throw from the box where, I mean, if you watch back the goal, it's great. Cause he just basically throws and does a somersault after he throws it. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> he definitely put all of his effort into that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, dis- distribution. And yeah, it was just beautiful counterattacking and highlights tr- everything that's great about Trissard and, you know, I'm. I wouldn't say that he's been struggling by any means, but I think it's it's really nice to see Trissard being played in his more favored position and showing what he can do. And you know, we we tend to focus on Martinelli as our 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 superstar, but I think you know Trissard has a shout for being as good as as, as Martinelli's in some some instances. 
Yeah, I think it, it the fact that they are able, you know, can play the same position so differently and and pr- provide different things as we saw in this game. I mean, just the way that they uh they play is different and and they score differently and um you know, comparing the two it, it doesn't really matter how it gets done. I think they both they both get it done in different ways and provide different things with the players that they have around them. Um we see some little bit of chemistry here, getting uh, the combination play going, and uh, Tristard's composure in front of goal, I think, is really one of his his assets. He 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 is able to take that extra touch, um, and he he does that frequently to kind of get himself into better positions. And it's that calmness in the space with the time that he has. Uh, that I think that's not something you can necessarily teach. Like you have to just be calm in those situations and that takes a lot of practice. And he, he just looked very uh, on top of it when, when you're one-on-one with the keeper, that's, that's, that's really important. Yeah. I mean, he skinned that defender. <laughs> he put that defender to the shame with that little cutback. Yeah. It was, it was great to see. Absolutely. I mean, you, it, it's just that little, that little touch into space, it, it, the keeper is so he's so far out of gold to try to stop things at that point. Uh, Tristar just has to pick a side. There's no way the yeah. keeper can cover all that space. Yeah, and it, 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 again, it just shows uh, the highlights the best of Arsenal. And once you can get Arsenal running downhill and get through that midfield band, Arsenal is you know one of the most dangerous teams in in the league. I think. One of the things that we can certainly point to in the last few games previous to this was when you're playing tired, mm-hmm. it's you lose all the speed that is required to keep the de- defenders guessing, to keep them on their heels, to you know force them into tough situations. And I think it was too plodding, too slow. And and it just allowed the defenses to stick in, and and that mm-hmm. and that doesn't doesn't work well for us when we can get the speed a speed of the game going. As we see with the Martinelli goals as well, it's like put put teams under pressure quickly, and they will crumble. Especially when you're a couple goals up, you can you just have to keep applying the pressure, and teams will usually just crumble under the the weight of that because. Um, Arsenal has a lot of ways to to hurt teams, but it it only really works when they're firing on all cylinders, and and that that speed is really important. Just the release from Raya to get the get the uh, counter attack going, and then also with Martinelli, like the the when he came on and was really able to run at these tired defenders. Um, that's tough to stop, and and it doesn't yeah. take much to really put teams uh, under the the Arsenal pressure machine. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and getting to those the Martinelli coming in and those two goals, I I know that they're both kind of garbage time goals and didn't really affect the game one way or the other. But it for me, the biggest thing was it a it was a great confidence boost for Martinelli. I think mm. you know, he needed those goals, and b it it showed you how much giving having that rest for Martinelli was it was important. I, I think 
he was he was on his sharpest form this game. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have a player of that quality coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's he's just kind of he wasn't even going hard on the second goal. He just <laughs> had the, the time and the space and and five defenders kind of jogging back and it just he did the exact same thing twice. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was, uh, the game was already won. So I was kind of like futzing around doing a few other things while, uh, while the, uh, ga- the end of the game was going on. And I literally thought it was a replay when I looked up and saw it. <laughs> and then I, I put two and two together that it was not a replay. Yeah. I saw lots of comparisons to, um, kind of the, the classic Henri goal. I mean, that kind of fade away far corner mm-hmm. shot is very reminiscent of, of one of, Henri's bread and butter shots. Uh, yeah, it's just good to see him getting into space too. I think he's great when he can be one-on-one with a defender, kind of taking things down the line. But if, if we can really work on getting him on the counterattack where he's running into space and we can just get it over that last line of defense, I know that doesn't work well when we ha- when they're playing against that deep block. But um, in, this, in this case where a team is chasing the game and and pushing their defense up. I mean, that is really the key to why you want to score early and and get out ahead because teams have to play and they have to push forward. And when you can create that space in behind, you have a great asset in Martinelli and Jesus. And um, we have some speed, I think that, and and the technicality in the, in the midfield to get the ball forward. Um, I think one of the things we've, missed from the midfield a little bit uh and we forget what what party can bring as far as moving mm-hmm. moving the ball forward m- maintaining possession but um you know i i love what rice brings i think he he is um a, a major contributor as far as mean uh, maintaining control of that midfield but i think party brings a little bit more going forward as far as get, getting the ball into dangerous positions so I, I I'm I still feel like there's a piece missing there, but if you can start getting some of that speed going again, that's really what's been missing from this team for a while. And Martinelli's goals was a were a, a reminder of what we could do if we have the right um, players and and uh, tactics in place. Yeah, I mean it's interesting you bring up that uh, the rice and party. I I, I was watching a really interesting uh, video put out by four four two, which is they're an amazing resource. I used to get their magazine, but they were talking about starting with you know what has been the issue recently with Arsenal. One of the the big issues is the connection between the back five and the front five, as it were. That mm-hmm. that it's been really hard to kind of move between the 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 zones and teams are very happy to let our back five just kind of control the ball and then go through and that's something that party offers that rice doesn't necessarily offer or right for whatever reason rice is, tends to be a little bit more uh, risk adverse with his forward passing he tends to either square it or hit it back as opposed to try and really truly get through the 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 midfield and it's what's interesting about this game is Sokka and his role and the the video really talked a lot about what how Sokka for this game in particular completely changed what he's done for the last two years. They uh, were showing heat maps, and what's interesting is um, so last year 
you you'll see a heat map of Osaka, and it's you know pretty obvious what where where he's going to be. He's going to be in that like top, you know, right hand corner, kind of along the sideline, and almost making an L towards goal, and a little bit above the uh, the goal box. And going into this season, you see it a lot stronger with him being a lot more concentrated in the box and above the box so far this season. But for this game, his heat map is completely different. Sako was withdrawn very much further in his in his heat map, and he was just very much almost really in Arsenal's half, just kind of withdrawn. And and basically, he was acting as a uh, almost an outlet for Rice. And there were several instances they highlighted in that video of Sokka just kind of being in that position. And what it really forces it to do is when the, the team is in that low block, that left back has to make a decision of whether to stay with Sokka or kind of stay keep the shape of the defense and it really puts that defender in a really no win situation and while Sokka didn't score there were a couple of opportunities for him to score from that position a couple of breaks that he made and so it's a an interesting tactical tweak I don't it'll be interesting to see if we see it going forward or if they'll go back to him being much more up front yeah i i i'm hopeful that there's different looks you know i i mm-hmm. I, it's nice to see them trying some different things and I hope that we're seeing things that were tuned for Crystal Palace and not necessarily things that we'll see week after week um, because, you know, Nottingham Forest or whoever it is that we're, uh, I think we have uh, Liverpool on the horizon as well. Yep. Um, the Liverpool. So, you know, those are very different teams. We should see some very different tactics in the next couple games. Um, I think you you can um, expect that Arteta is going to try a few different things, um, just because he's probably got some ideas of what what needs needs to change. So I'm not necessarily you know a five a five nil game probably uh makes makes everybody feel pretty confident but i think if you think that that's what's going to work against liverpool necessarily it, you're you're probably wrong <laughs> so yeah. it, there, there's got to be some other things that we pull out to to beat that team yeah i mean as much as we shouldn't get too low when we hit the lows we shouldn't get too high when we hit the highs either there the this last run of bad form that we went through really shows that there are issues that need to be worked on, you know, it's games like these show that there, there has been progress, you know, but it, it, you know, I, I don't think Arsenal's out of the woods yet. I don't think all these issues have been solved with a magic two weeks stay in Dubai. I think I'm, I'm hoping that Arteta spent a lot of that time actually looking and coming up with strategies for the next three, four games and really come out with uh, some interesting looks like that. Uh, as is the one I highlight with Sokka. Right. And, and I think as we get more players back, it it definitely opens up the playbook a little bit more. We've got different opportunities and over the past couple of seasons, it always feels like Arteta is having to balance that injury bug with the tactics he wants to, to actually use. Um, we don't really know what this team looks like with Timber in the lineup. We don't really, 
we barely know what, what it looks like with party in the lineup, you know, like we, we had a couple big pieces missing. And so it always feels like he's kind of piecing things together with what he has and he's got good pieces. I'm not like discounting that, but um, as players come back, as we kind of evolve this team more, I, I, I can't imagine what we've seen so far is all we've got. You know, I think there's got, there's got to be some more to this that we haven't really seen yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I I will be very interested to see it if we go to a midfield where you have Rice and and Party kind of being a double pivot in the back there, uh, and a uh, Odegaard kind of in front of them, and how that that shapes it because you then get the you know the best of both worlds, you know, with the things that Rice do, and then the the more forward looking passing. Yeah, and I I think we we don't even know what the ideal 11 looks like quite yet. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't know where Zinchenko fits in, uh, in the long term. If, it, if, and when Timber makes it back this season, what does that area look like? Um, we've seen, we've seen party play right back this season. I mean, mm-hmm. like there's been some <laughs> weird stuff uh, to try to make things work. But um, when you have everybody healthy, uh we still don't know. We've barely seen that this year. I mean, Timber yeah. Timber went down really early, and that that probably changed things quite a bit there. And um, the inevitable party situation happened, and it's uh, it, it's going to be an interesting second half, especially if we don't end up getting at anybody in the transfer window, which we'll we'll talk about shortly. But um, it's this it, it's trying to get more out of this team. And, and continue to push the team forward and not let a run of three games derail the season. And luckily it hasn't. I mean, like yeah. being in, in third place right now, sandwiched between Villa and City, uh, not a bad place to be as far as you're within striking distance. But um, definitely in the race, a five-point five point lead from uh, uh, Liverpool, I think, is, is going to be tough. But... It, we're, we're where we need to be, I think, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, five points, as you said, is going to be tough. And I think I don't I can't see this Liverpool team dropping a ton of points. They have shown even without some of their bigger stars and players that they're they're able to to grind out wins. Uh, you know, City, it's almost a little bit of a false thing because City does have their game in hand. So they would mm. be a couple points ahead of us if they when the game in hand is against something like Bournemouth or something like that, which you would, you would expect them to uh, pick up those points, but yes, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but it, it, it's going to be a, a very tough run and, and it's very exciting and we are definitely still in it. It's a, I know I certainly felt it after the, uh, the, the run of form we had around Christmas that it just took the wins out of the sale, but you know, there's still a lot of games left to play and a lot of, a lot of things to develop in this season. Yeah. I think we got to get past this little blip in form and try to put a, get a run of games together. I think it winning this convincing win against palace is a great start going up against, uh, Nottingham forest this weekend, or excuse me, this next week, an odd Tuesday game. <clears throat> but the uh the the one we the one that we have to really look at right now is Liverpool. I think it's really important we get points off of that. 
I mean, that 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 five point gap does not close if you don't win win this game. Yeah, I mean, at the at the end of the day, you have to beat the the best teams to 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 win titles. I I don't I definitely don't want to look overlook the uh, the Forest game. You know, they're forced is in a pretty similar situation to 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 Palace right now, which is that their things aren't working out exactly great for them. They do. Uh, they have also a, a financial fine or points deduct possible points deduction rolling and rumbling through. So they're going to be fighting for as many points as they can. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's really hard not to overlook them and look at that, that Liverpool game. It's annoying that we have to play them. Like this is our, our fourth time playing them this year. It seems like every, every season we get a run where we have to play one team like way too many times. I don't know why it feels like it's Liverpool all the time, but no, but, uh, it's at home and I'm sure we'll, we'll have, I think we have another podcast in between that one yes, and this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we'll go into more, more detail about that, but it, I think it's going to be an interesting balancing act with Arteta. If we're looking ahead, you can only imagine the players are kind of, uh, have definitely one eye on Liverpool. And so it'll be important to, uh, to focus the team on the task of the hand, which is getting the, the maximum points of, against Forrest. Yeah. I think it's, um, gosh, it's, it's, it's hard to just focus on the next game as a fan, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to, it's hard to say what's going on inside the the locker room. I'm I'm sure it's Arteta's mission to make sure the players are focused on just what's in front of them, but it's hard not to take for granted that you're going to beat the team that's sitting in like 16th place. (laughs) Um, so we can't let that happen really as a team that they've got to got to get three points and carry that momentum up against Liverpool. I think winning two games is a great launching point, but if you stumble against Nottingham Forest, it definitely puts a lot of pressure on that Liverpool game. Yeah. And it's I, like, I'm feeling extra pressure with the Liverpool game. Cause uh, my friend who's a Liverpool fan who generally doesn't talk trash, just started talking trash. He's, oh, he's feeling, feeling very confident. comfortable. Yeah. yeah. So like, it'd be nice to, to knock off a little bit of that confidence. I, I think that really um, just closing that gap a little bit changes the, the perspective of this season. I think, uh, well, you, you know, you never know what city is going to do. We do play them. Um, before this, I, I play them again before the season's over. But uh, I think those those are the two games you really I'm, I would always have to circle. But them being ahead of us slightly is is going to really put um, an emphasis on picking up the six points from those two games. And we've had mixed results. You know, it's especially playing City away. That one's going to be extra tough. So I feel like. To, to really stay in it, you're going to have to win this home game against Liverpool. Like that's, that is key. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we've got that coming up. Uh, Tuesday game oddly is, uh, I don't, I don't wonder why it's on Tuesday. That's bizarre. I think they're trying to slowly spread the game. So you have a uh, premier league games on every day of the week. <laughs> that would be my, my general guess. But they yeah. know like half the world is working <laughs> on a Tuesday uh, afternoon. I mean, I would love a uh, Wednesday, Thursday games all the time. That would, that would, that would make me happy. It's the Europa league in you. 
<laughs> yeah, that's my days off. So, <laughs> but uh, I mean, the Tuesday game, uh, what it's at eleven thirty our time though, which is it is doable on my schedule. Yeah, and I think lots of people, the people on normal schedules, can go uh, take a long lunch. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's going to be. Uh, so that that is what's coming up this next week. Uh. We should talk about transfers because it is a transfer window. It, it's hard to tell. <laughs> is uh, it? It's that's what's happening. Um, I it's on our notes, but there's not a ton to there's not a ton of smoke no. to go off of right now. I mean, I I, I think you're because because of the uh, mentioned penalties that are happening to Forest and to Everton again. I think a lot of clubs are taking the the financial fair play and these new financial regulations very seriously. Mm-hmm. And so there's, I don't, I don't, I think people are trying not to pull any levers, try and pull any fast ones, do what Chelsea did with the, the long contracts and, and do anything tricky. I think all these clubs are going, let's just take a beat. <laughs> let's, let's, you know, let's not, push the envelope too far and really stay within the, in the lines. Cause you know, the FA seems to be in a very litigious <laughs> mood and that's why we're not seeing a lot of, uh, activity in the transfer window. Yeah. Um, I think you're, you're also, you're afraid of the boogeyman that that's kind of sitting out there. It's like, you might not, well, they know what the rules are and, and when they're inside and outside of those parameters, mm-hmm. but, uh, I think the the fact that some of these sanctions and things are coming kind of on a delay, mm-hmm. it's also like, well, you may break the rules now and get away with it for a little bit, but the punishment may come next season or, you know, it's like the, it's not necessarily an instant slap on the wrist. So uh, are you willing to risk future seasons on mm-hmm. your win now mentality? Yeah. And, and I think combined with that is there's just... The usual movers and shakers uh, are not spending right now. You know, the Barcelona's, Madrid's, Inter Milan, AC Milan, these these teams that have traditionally, you know, injected cash into the economy and made it move aren't. They're in trouble economically, pretty much all of them right now. And there's also just a... I wouldn't say there's a lack of good players, but there's a, a lack of good players that are wanting to move right now, you know, when I'm sitting at the bar having conversations about Arsenal and I bring up the need for a striker, you know, questions like who would you get? And there isn't anybody right. available right now. I mean, the closest is probably going to be Osman, but he seems pretty as settled as you can be in that Napoli team. And otherwise everyone else is settled. There's not a lot of names that are flashing out of wanting to move. So I don't, I don't know. There's no one spending money and there's no one to spend money on, I guess would be the other caveat to this uh, transfer window. Yeah, I can't I can't see Arsenal making any major moves. I think if anything, we're going to maybe make a Kivior type signing. You know, that, that's yeah. what we made last year, kind of out of the blue. That's what I would expect at this point in the window is some sort of um, unheard of uh depth piece mm-hmm. i don't expect it to be a necessarily a household name you know we've been linked with uh very few players i think the uh one that's most recent was the uh 
Kyle Walker Peters from Southampton, which we've been linked yeah. to before. Uh, so anytime we've been linked to a, a player in the past, I, I, I always wonder if there's any real uh, juice behind it or if it's kind of just re- replaying what, what gets clicks. You know, I think it, it once you get linked to a player, somebody's going to bang that drum until it goes away, you know, like until it yeah. isn't viable anymore. Uh, so if there's any, I, I, any way to kind of tenuously link a player to, to Arsenal, uh, somebody is going to say it and somebody's going to jump on it and repost it. And everybody's just clamoring for some news. So it's just a, a matter of linking a, a random name to the team and, and you're going to get some, some traction online. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, there's more, more sense for some of these outgoing moves. I've heard a little bit of a m- mumbling about a Suarez, Cedric Suarez, uh-huh. yeah, going away. And uh, you know, we have some we have some semi valuable prop uh, properties with like Smithrow and that that sort of thing. But yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably see Cedric and maybe Nuno Tavares go out. And oh, that, I forgot about under- Tavares. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, I don't even know. Does he train with the team? What are these players doing? Um, <laughs> Collecting a paycheck. Yeah. So it, he, you know, getting rid of some of those deep players that aren't really going anywhere. Uh, I think that's that's important now to clear clear the decks. But it, I I I don't see anything but like a uh you know ten to fifteen million dollar signing that we've never heard of, or maybe some random loan, but. Mm-hmm it would be like an opportunity thing we, for a minute there. People were saying um, Benzema was, was going to be coming back to the, <laughs> the or coming back uh, to, to Europe from Saudi Arabia. And even with the links to Arsenal, I, I just, there's no way no. unless you were just like, okay, we're going all in. We're going to try to get champions league this year to surprise everybody. But I just or don't he, know how much he would offer. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's the other thing is like I've I've always been actually a pretty big fan of Benzema. I, th- I think he was a big reason Ronaldo Ronaldo at uh, Madrid. Uh-huh. But uh, he there's a reason he went to Saudi. There's you know it's he's definitely older. I is he much of an upgrade on Jesus? Maybe he's more more direct I think than Jesus, but. Mm-hmm. Um, the age really does put throw up a lot of question marks for me. 37? I want to say, yeah, late 30s or late for soccer 30s. Yeah. Now that that's younger than me, I'm just like, he can't yeah. be that old, right? Ben, let's see. Karim Benzema, he is 36. Oh, even younger yeah. than I thought. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's he he is probably in that class that can like still provide something to somebody. Yeah. But he's probably so, more more suited for an MLS team than than Arsenal right now. That's exactly what I was going to say is it sounds like a, a an MLS signing. <laughs> yeah. Uh is, is Miami full yet? <laughs> I, mean, I was they were playing against dallas the other day and we were watching it and i just pulled out to see uh how old the just three of their players are so you have uh uh what is it messi suarez and uh Busquets. they're all in the starting lineup 
Uh, George, was, wasn't Jordi, isn't Jordi Alba on that team too? Oh, Jordi Alba's on that team too. But I was, I was just looking at three of those players. <laughs> Combined age of 106 years old. <laughs> uh, ancient FC. Yeah, that's, that, that's, it's not a ideal if you're trying to build something, but MLS, BMLS, Lenny. They're, they're not building anything but a brand. Mm. Um, but that's, I, I think once you establish yourself as, the team Messi played on, then you're, you're going to be a draw for younger players eventually. Yeah, exactly. There's, there is, I see what they're, I see what they're doing. It was funny to see Suarez out there. I'm like, I, I was talking to somebody and they're like, didn't he just have like a, a whole like interview where he was talking about, he can't even play soccer with his kid. Cause he's been <laughs> too much in pain. Oh my gosh. But he's uh, showing up there for a uh, inner Miami. That's another person collecting a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So, not much to speak of on the the transfer front, and that's true across the board. Nobody's making major moves, but we're in the last week, so maybe something will shake loose. Uh, but as you said, like you look around, and it's like who's actually available. I think it's going to be some um, desperation signings at this point to really make any major moves, but. Mm-hmm. I, January is never a big move window. It's usually kind of shoring up with some loan loans and, and minor transfers. Yeah. And then it's a, it's definitely a window for opportunities. Usually it's a, a great time for, to flog someone off who's uh, to a team that's desperate more than it is <laughs> <laughs> a great time right. to, to pick up anything good. Yeah. I don't, I don't see any major outgoings. Uh, I, it, even with the Smith throw connections, um, he looked, you know, he's looked good. Uh, he mm-hmm. looked good coming in on this game. Uh, I want to give him more opportunities, but we'll see. I don't, I'm, I'm so, <laughs> I'm personally think we need to, to, to sell him, sell him while he's high and, and, and move on. Is I think a, if the, the right price came in, they would be foolish not to, but yeah, it, it, it and a team that has looked thin, it's also mm-hmm. hard to give up somebody without having a replacement. Yeah, I know. It's just, I mean, to play the transfer game, though, you do have to 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 make some money somewhere. And you know, I, I just how many times have we've we've said, you know, I would like to see more time with Smith Rowe, and it's been what five years, and between him not being able to get keep healthy and to keep a sustained amount of form, I'm just like, uh, I think he might have be better for his career to, to move on elsewhere as well. Yeah, I could, I could see the case to, but I, you know, if, if the rumors are true that he, that he had such a, a good, um, training camp or break, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he, he will force his way in because there's, there's definitely a, a case to be made that he's a, the best, alternate when it comes to that number eight yeah so we'll we'll see if he can work his way in but i think it's going to require some goals i think that that's the piece that's been missing from him since he had such a great season a couple couple Mm -hmm. years ago uh so we'll see if he can get back to that form because that's really what we need to see to make the case for uh playing over havertz right now yeah 
Well, I think that's that's pretty much it in terms of transfer talk and and pretty much it for this week. I don't think there's anything else we got. No, I don't think so either. All right. Well, with that, uh, we'll say thank you for listening. Uh, review and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Check out our social media presence and everything else on our show notes and join our discord there with the, the link and um, chat with us on game days. And I believe that's it for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show. <laughs>